She's an actor, screenwriter, and Emmy-nominated producer who's now helping others navigate the stressful nature of the film and television industry. Please welcome Gilda Graham. What is it about the film industry that has always had your attention? I've always wanted to go into the film industry. I, When I was like around 12 or 13, it was just something that I, uh, something was calling to me. And then I forgot about it because, you know, you grow up and your mom's not exactly psyched that you want to be in the entertainment industry. Um, so she's like, oh, no, no, you're, you're going to school and you're going to become a teacher or a nurse or something like that. <laughs> so I, I forgot about it for a long time. And then when I got to college, I started doing the fun hobbies like acting and theater and musicals, and that just stole my heart. So I actually started as an actress on stage doing Shakespeare in front of the camera. And then um, I just got a little camera shy at one point in my life. I uh, had a lot of anxiety and was like, no, I'm going to be a producer now. <laughs> so your transition into producing was because you didn't want to be in front of the camera anymore. Yeah, pretty much. But I loved storytelling. I loved being able to tell a story and to move people. And that's why I ended up with a degree in screenwriting and producing from Cal State University of Northridge. And I've never looked back, to be honest. It's always filled my heart. I've always wanted to move people. It was the medium that I chose to move people in. And yeah, that's how I ended up here. I'm always envious of people who knew or know exactly what they want to do. That never really happened for me. I fell into production completely on accident because it was just the company that I found a job at when I moved to LA. And I, I love it now, but I don't have the same passion for it that some people. And it, it sounds like you were drawn to it from the time you were little, and then you found your place in it. Even though that place has changed a few times, it was always what you wanted to be. That's kind of where you belong. I always think that's so, it seems like that would be much easier than not knowing what you want to do. It's actually harder. Well, it was for me in my life because you always felt like something was calling to you. But as society goes and as you're raised and, you know, um, every family is different, the, the expectations of society, the expectations of family and things like that, you, you become very confused and then you don't know where to go, which road to take, um, where your path will lead you. Is this the right direction for me? I mean, I, I remember. I chose nursing and I actually got into an amazing nursing school back in the early 2000s. And it was a uh, Mount St. Mary's in California. I think it was in Brentwood and it was one of the top nursing schools. And it was a week before I had to choose whether I'd say yes or no to them, whether I'd continue pursuing it. And I actually ended up saying no. And my mom and dad were so mad at me. They were so mad. <laughs> and uh, I had to, I, I chose to then move out of the house because there was a, a lot of turmoil with the decision making. <laughs> at 22 years old, I just decided to do this and go. 
but it was really hard because the support system wasn't, wasn't there at the time. It is now, but it wasn't there at the time. So there's, there's challenges in that because you, you don't know how people in your life are going to react to your decisions or your calling. And it's, you know, being pulled by your heartstrings. Yet at the same time, your brain is going, is this good for me? Is this not? You know, it's like the chaos of the world. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of what I dealt with because I feel like everyone else around me thought they knew what I should be doing. And I didn't want that. <laughs> is it, it's, I just wasn't sure. I'm still not really sure. I love what I'm doing, but I like that I get to move around and choose different things all the time and make that decision about, I want to say yes to this one thing, or I want to say no to that, or, okay, this sounds ridiculous, but I'm going to try it anyway. I think it's there. there's a lot of freedom in that. Not to say that everyone should just do everything on a whim, but it's worked out okay for me, not knowing and just trusting the process as I go, I suppose. See, and you know better than I do because it took me a while to trust the process. You always want to be in control of your own life. And that's something that I've learned through energy healing, like doing Reiki, and then also, you know, just letting go and surrendering and understanding that you are in control of your life in, in a sense. But for me, I believe there's also, there's also life that also knows and controls that aspect. And it just goes a lot slower than you. So you have to be completely patient in some way, but just kind of keep the ball rolling. And that's, that's what I teach and I try to implement in my everyday life and my business and in productions as well. So <laughs> I, I made a face. That's why she's laughing because <laughs> we, we know that production is a special, it's a special industry. It's special. I mean, just this morning I'm working, uh, even though I, I have my business on the side, I am still working in production and my director who I totally trust and believe in, or I wouldn't be a part of his, um, his film. He's like, he texts me this morning. He's like, so I'm thinking about making the 30 minute into a full length feature. That's <laughs> just a minor change. Cause I think we have enough, just a minor change. And I'm like, Okay, I got to let that go for one second. <laughs> Concentrate on this podcast. But I texted him. I was like, so not that I don't support you, but we need to talk about this. Is this going to, you know, do something to the story that it shouldn't? Is this, you know, a director's choice as opposed to the choice of the film? But he, I trust him uh, completely to the point where I know how he, he makes movies. And so if he didn't see that the story was being driven, he wouldn't have done it. So I can't wait to hear what he has to say. <laughs> Yay for me. <laughs> well, that's kind of another part of trusting the process is you have to work with people who you know aren't going to lead you in a crazy direction. They can only do that once. I feel like if they, they lead you in a weird place one time, you should learn from that and then you can weigh that in if you want to think about working with that person again. And maybe, maybe you say no, but if they're good and you, you think, okay, this doesn't make sense to me, but that person has the instincts and you know that whatever they're feeling is going to work. Sometimes 
Sometimes you just have to go with that too. It's that we do want everything. We want to control everything and we we can't. No. The world, <laughs> all sorts of things have different ideas for us and a different timeline where you said we, we want it to happen now, but you kind of sometimes, actually all the time, you can't control what happens. You can control how you react to it. And you still, there's an element of planning and detailing, but also an element of laying back a little bit and saying, this is out of my control. I'm going to accept it as it happens and make my decisions as I go. 100%. I mean, the one thing about being in your 20s, at least for me, was you were able to learn from, you know, you're on production after production and a lot of times things didn't go as planned or you worked with people you didn't like or you didn't want to ever work with again but you have to do what everybody else does in any other field. I mean, if you're a lawyer, you're, you're going to become part of a law firm and then realize you don't like those people. So then you're going to change law firms. Like it's part of growing up and your first few jobs is learning that, you know, whether it's in studio or corporate agency, whatever it is, you're going to learn who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. And the, people that I feel go into the direction of who they eventually want to work with. And it takes time. It takes time. It takes energy to figure that out. And it does take money. And people don't realize that money and finances have a huge part to play in you actually working on things that you want as opposed to you don't want. But it, it's a huge part of it because you can afford then to say no to somebody. So sometimes I want to argue like, okay, what comes first, the finances or your wants? And I never know which one to tell my clients, you know, to use because it depends on their situation. It depends on, on them. For me, it's a choice of, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I'm going to choose to trust myself and my knowledge and not go towards abuse, but it's also sometimes not abuse. Sometimes it's just a lack of respect. You know, I feel like there's abuse and then I feel like there's lack of respect and I don't want either of them in my life. So, you know, you, you just learn to, to go towards the things that are healthy for you, for your soul which is hard to do in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I think it's probably like that in a lot of industries, but it's a really good point about the finances. And it's, it's one of the many reasons people in creative fields, they never want to talk about the business stuff. That's why this podcast exists. It's like, okay, I get that the money's not the fun part. If you have a lot of it coming in, then that's really fun. But if you don't, and that means you have that amount that you have to figure out what to do with and this opportunity comes your way and maybe the income is good but the situation isn't ideal you have to know how to weigh those decisions and the finance is having a grasp on how much you have coming in how much is going out what you can afford to do which choices you can make it really goes a long way but some people just don't want to they, they just don't want to deal with it and it's kind of a eh. I'll, I'll, I'll just figure, figure it out. I pay my bills. It's fine. I don't, I don't need to know that stuff. Or they were like me where they thought that they had to make thousands upon thousands or millions to be able to then have the 
amount coming in to know what to do with it and then balance it out. And it's like, actually, from what I've learned, and believe me, I've had lessons to learn, uh, you don't really need that much money. You just need the little bubbles of where you're going to put that money. It's more about managing the money you have <laughs> than, well, I don't have to worry about it until I have more. Yeah. If you don't know how to manage it now, you're not going to know how to manage it when you have a ton. So can I say that word, by the way? I'm sorry. Sure. I'm like, I'm a producer. I cuss what I do. It, it, it is all right. I'm either talking to lawyers or I'm cussing. That should be in your bio. I'm either talking to lawyers or I'm cussing. I like that. I I do like that. Somehow it's suitable. Well, we kind of talked about it a little bit. I always believe that the more I understand about all the moving pieces, the better I am at my job. So I don't want to be an editor. If I understand how timelines work, what codecs are, all that technical stuff, then I can communicate better with other editors who are on my team. So it's more about the education and me wanting to know how everything works so I can use that in my communication with all of those types, not wanting to do all of those things as my job. But since you started as an actor, you moved into screenwriting, you've been in front of the camera, you've been behind it in many different roles. How did those earlier roles help you progress and find your way in the producing world? Honestly, I had really great mentors. I had great teachers who ended up being mentors. And even some today, I've kept them. Um, one of my favorite people to talk to, she's a professor still at CSUN, Alexis Krasilovsky, and she's won numerous awards globally for like her documentaries. And I think what you learn in acting, if you have a good coach, is trust. You have to trust the other people. You have to trust that they know how to make the right decisions. And if they don't, you come out of love and you make it for them without making it seem as though you're choosing. So don't, you know what I mean? And that kind of comes into all aspects of a job. You have to trust the people that you hire to do the job. You have to trust yourself to hire the right people. And then you have to trust the people to know that they love their job enough to do it correctly. And yeah, as far as, you know, the editing part of it, you really hit something for me right there because I've had numerous people always tell me, just edit your own stuff. Go make your own films. Edit. As if it's like so easy to edit. <laughs> you just click a few buttons. It's fine. It, you have you have a Mac computer. You can just do it, you know, and it's like, oh God, you know, like, no, 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 no. First of all, I feel like you are in some ways like insulting the editors <laughs> actually go to school and go into thousands of dollars worth of debt <laughs> to become really good at their craft. But I get what people are saying. They're saying that you are behind the wheels now drive. But for me, I've never been interested in editing. Uh, I've done almost everything else but sound and editing and lighting. And that is nothing I don't want to go into those fields at all, but I will hire people that are good at their job where I can trust. So I definitely do have some knowledge, but I don't have all the knowledge of a lighting person, a cinematographer, uh, the camera equipment. 
And I've chosen not to do that on purpose. And I don't know whether I'm right or I'm wrong on this, but um, I think it could go both ways. I don't know. But the reason why I chose that is because I started to realize I'm a little OCD. And early on in my career, if I started wanting to know every single step of the lighting person or every single step of the uh, sound engineer and to see if I'm going to start looking over their shoulders and being like, what are you doing? What do you, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to be that person. You know, I, I really don't. I think that you're putting a lot more into your head that doesn't need to be there where you can put it somewhere where you can really shine. Just, just let them do the work that they're good at and trust them. I love that because you paid attention to who you are and you could see that. Some people I don't think can see that and they become those micromanagers because they know just enough that they think then they can dictate what the professional that was hired to actually do that job does. And that I know that drives editors crazy when they've got the guy sitting over their shoulder or the girl or whomever sitting over there and like, well, why did you make that choice? And it's like, okay, you hired me to do this job. Let me do it. There are creative differences and sometimes outside input is welcome and other times just let the people do their job. <laughs> but it's good that you know that some people I think don't do enough self-reflection or introspection or whatever you want to call it. They don't really get to know themselves, their working style, how they act in certain situations. I think that goes a long way too, is being able to really know who you are and how you're going to work the best. Right. And it's, it's also people getting the wrong information and actually believing in that information. You know, I was just at a, a Fortune 500 corporate company and one of the only other female producers, I remember her saying something along the lines of, you know, this is doggy dog basically. And, you know, if I have to just care for myself, then I guess that's how it's going to be. And it's like, and then it's a small department. <laughs> so if you're eating somebody, you're eating your coworker and we all know it. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what you're talking about, but it's, <laughs> it's like you chose rather than choosing better, you chose what you didn't think was fair and what was happening to you, which made you mad. But then you decided in your own mind that this is how it works. So now I have to become bad like everybody else. And it's like, no, that's, you're going to be around like-minded people. So good luck to you. The people I know in this industry whom I respect the most and I feel are the most successful are the ones who are kind. They treat all of the people whether they're business owners, producers, whatever, they treat everyone on their team with respect. They give them that freedom to make their own decisions, to do what they're good at. That doesn't mean that they always make the perfect decisions. And then you can have a conversation and talk about how we would do it differently in the next time. But you have to give people the ability to do a good job or to learn if they make a mistake. These people that think, oh, you can never make a mistake you're robbing a lot of people of a lot of growth by expecting that. And then all it does is it perpetuates this fear that I, if I'm not perfect, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get yelled at. I'm whatever's going to happen. And that is, yeah, it's just not good for anybody. Yeah. I mean, when you work in studios or corporate, especially when you first start out, you, 
you get stepped on and, you know, you allow that because you don't know better. Um, even, even that happened to me. I mean, I'm sitting here misconfident and I know this and I know that, but it took a lot of learning experience for me to get to where I am, you know, and that's how I help the people, um, that come to me for help is, is through my own experiences. You know, I can't lecture on something that I don't know. Well, you worked for some big companies like PBS and MGM before deciding to stay self-employed a few years ago. What motivated that change and how has it affected your life and career? <laughs> well, we've been talking about why the <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to get more into that. That's why. <laughs> well, I had good experiences and not so good experiences. And it's not just at studios. It's not at just the Fortune 500 or PBS. It's everywhere. It's in independent filmmaking and agencies. There's a lot of unhealthiness going on and that you have to be around to get the paycheck and the benefits and all that good stuff that comes with it. And it got to a point to where for me, I wasn't showing up to myself the way that I needed to, if that makes any sense to you. You know, I went from a perfectionist to someone who was now mediocre at her job because you were so tied down to only doing what they want you to do and then being reprimanded if you did anything more or wanted more or uh, more money or whatever it, whatever it was. And that, that's a sad part about it is being in departments. There's not much room for growth and people don't really appreciate you and companies want to keep you down. I feel at least that was my experience. I think you might have had a similar experience as well that you've talked about in, in your podcast many times. The, the corporate world is not for me. Yeah, it is not for me either. <laughs> but I now know how it works to where when I work with them and there's a decision that's made and rather than being upset and frustrated on the creative end, I can be like, I understand how they got to that conclusion. Now I'm going to do something to, to go around that and be like, okay, now you have to see it from my point. So in a way it was really good because it allowed me to see how it functions to be able to put in arguments that they're able to understand and see. That's the good part about it. And also the other good part about it is the friends that you make. It's the friends that you make there, the coworkers, because they're all feeling the same way. And you just hang out after work and you have a good time. And, and some of you stay friends and some of you don't. So that aspect, you know, was, was really great. But obviously, the reason why I, I left was because, you know, some things aren't so good. So I did, I did end up just working for myself and it ended up being kind of a huge, huge blessing. I really had to think about it hard because I made this decision. Um, I mean, I had my own company before the pandemic, but it was like dabbling into it. But during the pandemic, I was like, F this, it's all in. Again, I don't know if I can cuss, but <laughs> that was just a letter. Literally, that was literally like what I did. <laughs> I think sometimes you have to get to that point, though. And it's a shame that you get pushed to that point where you don't care anymore. But at the same time, it, I think you are very similar to me in that maybe your time there didn't end up the way you had hoped it would. 
And there was a lot that you had to go through that you would never want to go through again, but you can find some element of gratitude that you went through it because of what you learned from it. And going through all of that, sometimes all that negative stuff that you have to live through, it just teaches you what you're not willing to put up with in the future. Yeah, And that's good to know. It's always unfortunate that you have to learn it the way you do, but I know that for me, I'd gotten to the point at the end of that last job, I didn't care. And I'm not a person who doesn't care about my job, but there was nothing in it for me. I was staying for the other people who were still there. I felt a sense of loyalty to them. And then people kind of started going their own ways anyway. And it was like, what what am I doing here? Especially when there was a corporate ownership change and then it was just a totally different world and they lost the heart of what the company was and what the people who had built it <laughs> tried so hard to create. It just came, they just didn't care. It just came crashing down. I, and that's why I didn't go for four months and finally <laughs> was asked to leave. <laughs> but it was, it was the best thing because prior to that, I had never wanted to work for myself. When I was saying that everybody else kind of thought they knew a path for me and I didn't know, People assumed I wanted to own a production company and I didn't. I never wanted to deal with a building and overhead and all of that stuff and other people relying on me for their livelihood. I don't want that kind of pressure. So it just really never appealed to me. Then I started to realize I don't have to be a company. I can be myself and do what I do, but on my own terms and that's perfectly fine. I can still work with production companies. I can work with all kinds of people, but I get to be in the environment I want to be in. I can say yes to which jobs and which clients, and I can say no to ones that don't resonate with me. And I was like, why, why did this never dawn on me before? But I, I believe in timing. I think I had to go through all of that to learn what I needed to learn to be able to do this in the way that I want to do it. And that's what I do now. It's the school of learning. We're at Earth School. Uh, you know, that's what Gary Zukoff calls it. Um, he's one of these spiritual teachers that I read his, some of his books. And so it just resonated with me. It's like, it's the Earth School. We're all spirits having a human experience. There's the light and the darkness. And so what you have to have darkness in order to see the light. And, you know, living in light, you're just like all happy, happy, like you don't realize what's there, what's not there. So you're right. We all have to go down the hill to to then go up the hill. <laughs> I'm sorry. As you were talking, I just I just remembered how you'd made that comment about eating a coworker. And I was laughing about that again. So <laughs> <laughs> it was that I just I, I went back to, to that. It was a delayed again reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I hear like there's this weird delay. I, I swear I talk about it how there's me and then there's my brain and they're two separate entities. And sometimes there's a delay. Way. So I'll hear something later. And and it just if you're eating your coworkers. You're hilarious. One of the one of the best things about you that I love. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, most people think about the film industry in terms of the fun. I'm sure this happens for you, people who are not in the industry. Like, what do you do for work? Oh, that must be so exciting. Oh, We're always working on all these great projects. And it is. But we know it is often chaotic and stressful. <laughs> people are working long hours, many days in a row, often in less than ideal environments. 
Burnout is a real danger in production and a lot of industries, but we both know production and it's rampant there. It's one that you faced yourself. What happened with that and where did that experience take you? Well, yeah, I mean, you experience burnout when you keep going and you keep going and you don't stop and give yourself a break and then your bills just keep coming. This is why I said finances in the very beginning are just as important because it allows you some freedom and you don't need to make thousands of dollars to be able to do it. You just need to know how to manage it. So yeah, I did experience burnout because it was just like, go, 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 go pay the bill, pay the bill, pay the bill. And um, there was no breaks. There was no recharging of your batteries. And people will take from you if you allow. They will take everything that you have if that's what you are giving them. For me, when I did end up burning out, which actually I don't even remember, it was probably a few years ago, but I'm totally healed from that. So that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> or when it was or why or what happened. But um, the healing part comes right after. And for me, it was learning a lot of tools about how to work and not get burnt out. So I have like on my Instagram, I have these cheesy tips of the night, <laughs> you know, where it's like before you, your bed hits the pillow, you know, this is what you should do. And a lot of it honestly are things that are so natural, like breathing exercises or gratitude, just things as simple as those two things could really help you fall asleep. Um, that only takes like a couple minutes or meditation music, but that worked for me. That's not going to work for every single person. I believe in it because it helped me. But for you, it could be something totally different. You know, to you, it could be writing. You know, you could actually spend 15 minutes before bed, you know, writing and that just somehow, whatever it is, whether it's fictional or a journal. And, and that could be your way of, of healing from the burnout and understanding how to give your life some balance. And I do believe in balance, but I believe in balance, not in the way of the monk where you live 24 seven in some kind of like, you know, whatever, whatever it is like balance, uh, you know, they're just so at peace and you're just like, if I show up that way to a production set, you can forget it, brother. I'm getting fired that day. <laughs> like, but there is some sort of truth to that. You know, you can have balance. You just can't have it all at the same time, all the time. Uh, when you're on production, you're, you're like, go, go, go. I don't want to remember five minutes before bed, this little breathing exercise. I, I got to go to sleep to make it to the next set in the morning. I, I only got four hours. So for me, I understand that when I'm on production, I'm just going to do what I can do. And if I have 10 minutes to listen to a meditation and do a breathing exercise, I'll give myself that. But I do know that after production, I do have to give myself a week or two or However long that production is, I have to give myself, you know, I have to weigh it. Like, how long do I take a break? Because breaks are really, really important in your sanity. And then in those breaks, whether you want to or not, you have to make yourself do these exercises, whether it's Reiki, sound healing, yoga, whatever, whatever it is. I know sometimes you don't want to but you have to, you have to. 
they're your medicine. It's like the doctor giving you a prescription and you going, I don't want to take this pill, but you take it in the morning because you have to. The only difference is, well, it's easier to take a pill than to actually do a five minute exercise which is problematic in so many ways. But I think it comes back to that self-awareness. I like that you say that about balance because I think some people have it in their head that it's an everyday thing. Like every day I have this much work and this much life, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you might have a crazy month where you don't have the life balance, but you have all the work. And then when that month is done, like you said, when you get through what you need to get through, now you can go back and then balance out the other part of you, take a break from the work and focus on yourself again. I just went through that. I took on too many jobs at one time and I knew I was doing it. Oh, no. I knew ahead of time that it was too much and I tried to say no. I'm really good at my boundaries, but this particular client needed me and needed it in a way that I really had to weigh the options. Do I do what I feel is right for me right now, which is to stay home deal with things that are going on here? Or do I put my own needs aside for a minute or 11 days and go be somewhere else because that client needs me and I know there's no one else that can do it for him. And that's not an ego-driven thing. I just, it's a very specific job and there was a reason it had to be me. Because uh, you're fabulous. Uh, <laughs> hello. But, like, that's an easy one. Well, thank you. It, it was, but I had some real heart to hearts with that client explaining my situation and why I was hesitant to go there. They explained why it was important. And ultimately, I decided to put my own needs aside for a short time. And I was nearing that point of I'm doing too many jobs right now. I am not having enough time for my own self-care. But I also knew that it was for a limited amount of time. I wasn't in a full-time job that had no ending in sight. I knew when the end date was going to be. And there were little things that I would do in that. And it's, again, the self-awareness where sometimes you're so busy, you're so tired, you don't want to do an hour of yoga or go work out or something. But I don't know many people, I'm not sure if I've ever heard it, that regretted a workout after they did it. You always feel better afterwards. So maybe you don't take the full hour, but maybe you say, I need to do this for half an hour. Now I've been out of practice from yoga for a while. I transitioned into Pilates and that's kind of what has been the best suited for me. But when I was getting into that super stressful period where all the jobs needed me all at the exact same time, I started to feel stressed, which is something I don't normally feel. I, I feel that I've put enough procedures in place to kind of make sure I don't get there. But I got to that point and I went back to yoga because it wasn't just about exercising. There is a mental component to it. There's a slowness of holding a pose and just focusing on your breathing. And so I really turned back to yoga during that period because sometimes it was just 30 minutes. Sometimes it was even shorter, but it was, I need to do this right now so I don't get so burnt out that now I can't do anything. Yeah. And you said the most important thing too, is in the beginning, you communicated with your client. So many people do not communicate and keep things to themselves because they don't want to be judged. I mean, I was just in the cardio kickboxing class and I was dying after 10 minutes, first of all, and I've never done one before. And I was like, at the point to where at 30 minutes, I was like, either I go now 
or I'm going to die <laughs> at the hour mark. <laughs> and I hit the limit of, great, am I going to be judged for leaving class? Because of course I chose the spot where it's all the way at the other end of the corner where I'm going to have to pass everyone to leave class in the middle of it. So now I look like a loser and I'm just like, <laughs> so I had to like, even though it's cardio kickboxing, I had to make that decision of like, what's good for me. And so I left. It's so weird how we get in our heads about that stuff. I used to be the same. I deal with all kinds of issues and my shoulders are messed up and it leads to headaches and other pain stuff. And th there are so many times in a yoga class or in a Pilates class or anything where the, your ego comes into play. It's like, well, all of these people are doing it. So what does that say about me if I can't do it? And at some point I realized that's ridiculous. And if my shoulder doesn't move that way, I'm not going to force it to move that way. If I need to use lighter weights or if I need to take a break, who cares? And nobody else in the class cared. I never at any point got like, oh, okay, what is she doing? Oh, she can't do this. She must be less than, or, you know, and maybe internally there's some more pride, like, okay, well, she can't do it, but I can. And if that motivates you, then that's, that's fine. I don't really take any issue as long as you're not verbalizing it. But I usually call myself out on that stuff because I, I'm the type that makes jokes out of things. It's the way I kind of deal. And maybe it's some psychological element of if I'm laughing at myself, it's okay if other people do too. It kind of takes their power away. Maybe it's just a coping mechanism that's not as grounded as I would like to say it is. <laughs> Who knows? But it's we, we get in our heads whether you're in that corporate world, you're on a production and it's independent, there are a lot of times when we take things personally that have nothing to do with us. So maybe that guy is cranky because he's been working long hours and he hasn't eaten for 12 hours. And so he needs to eat and he's tired and it's hot outside. So he then yells at you about something but he's not yelling at you because of what you did. That's just the state of mind he's in at that moment. And it's coming out at you. And that's the, the thing that part of the reason I was asked to be on that job and it had to be me is because I stay calm. I think I have that perspective to know that if people are upset, it's not because of me. And maybe sometimes it's about me, but I, I don't really think it's about me. So <laughs> I don't take it personally. I can let you vent at me or yell at me and I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to hear what you say. I'm going to tell you that your feelings are valid and then I'm going to say my piece too. It doesn't mean I'm going to let you walk all over me. It doesn't mean you can get into that abusive territory that you talked about. I will still be very direct, but I will be calm and I will do it in a respectful manner. And in the chaos that is production, that can go a long way. Right. Calm is good in chaos. Yes. Calm in the storm is very good. Isn't that one of the four agreements too, is like, don't, don't take things personal. I, I can't remember. I don't know what they are. The four agreements by Don Ruiz. Oh, I got to show you the book. There's so it's like be impeccable with your word. It's like the things okay. that you're taught when you're a child that you forget because nobody ever does it around you. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like, well, I'm going to act like them because that's who I'm around every day. So then you forget. So these are just like books that I read that are reminders of what, you know, life is really like and what it's about. It's, it's things, it's, it's a me thing. It's a me thing, but it's helped me. So you've mentioned that kind of right before the pandemic or during it, you got to that point where you were just done. You were going to focus on your business full force 
you uh, have worked on your holistic coaching program and you help people navigate the world and keep that balance in their lives that we've been talking about. I try. What is the hero's journey? What is this coaching all about for you? So the hero's journey for me, it actually brought me back to school when I was doing screenwriting and getting my degree. So in a script, you have the hero's journey and they go through the whole process of, of the hero. It's uh, It started with Joseph Campbell and then Christopher Vogler took what he wrote about myths uh, into screenwriting. So that's when I first learned about the hero's journey into the special world. And it's, it's in a lot of really great films. If you watch the hero and the journey he takes into the, the film, it really hits every mark. And I, I realized technically in films, these heroes, they're supposed to be us. That's why we look at them as heroes and it touches our heart and we get inspired. At least that's what it was like in the nineties. <laughs> I don't know about these films these days, but <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> back in the day. So I was like, well, we're all trying to be heroes in our own journey. And when I take a look at it, there isn't anything about that hero's journey that is very different than what we go through in our journey in life. Now, some people decide not to take those journeys or those steps, but the steps are there. They're there. It's just up to you to take them or not. And so I actually use the hero's journey to show where somebody is in their point in life and where they want to go. So I use the chart as a way to kind of gauge who someone is and what they want in the industry and to help them on their path and guide them. And that's what I use that for. So they're writing their own script, basically. You're focused mostly on people in the entertainment industry, right? You're helping them, like you just said, be your own hero. I like that. There's a lot of talk these days about rewriting your story or changing the narrative and all these things that I think are really helpful for humans to do. It's taking power back and taking that control we talked about at the top of the episode and using it in a more productive way. <laughs> it's actually controlling the outcome of your life to the degree that you can. So you're, you were really driven to help other people who've been in the situations that you've been through navigate this particular industry, even though you can work with people from everywhere that I think is really helpful in this industry that is so chaotic and crazy. Well, I know this industry front and back, you know, it's not, I mean, I, granted, I haven't worked with everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But do you see, like, the things, there are a lot of things that I'm, I'm gonna know about it. And, and I'm gonna be able to answer a lot of your questions and kind of have a little bit of a knowing. Uh, if someone who's a lawyer was like, okay, I wanna do this with you, you know, it's like, okay, well, I don't really know a law firm <laughs> and how that kind of works, but it does work with you, you know? So you can be a hero as a mom, as a dad. You can, you know, be a hero as a producer. It's a word to describe you, your purpose. And the journey changes all the time. I would have never thought from wanting to be the actress that I got trained to be as, to all of a sudden now being a Emmy-nominated producer and then also like a holistic coach for people in the entertainment business that really need some guidance. I would never have thought that was ever going to happen to me. If anything, I literally thought I was gonna be like an Academy Award-winning actress. Because, you know, if you're going to be an actress, why not Academy Award? You know, like, 
<laughs> that's how high achieving I think. That's like, I'm one of those people that's like, yes, I want the company. I want your life. <laughs> but I will take care of it. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good. And it's especially, I think that's a, a key component of all of that is, well, one, that you're working with people one-on-one. -on -one, so you are not just telling them, okay, here's step one, two, three, and four. And this is going to apply regardless of whether you're a producer or a lawyer. You're actually working with people to figure out what is it that you want, because your journey is going to be different than mine and different than everybody else's, but also including that really, really special component that your journey can change. And that's where some people get, because they get so focused on the one path, the one goal, they forget it's okay if you change your mind. It's okay if that doesn't work out and something else presents itself or suddenly you feel like you want to completely go in a different direction. You're allowed to do that. Well, I think it's really important to mention that one, everybody has their own frustrations and concerns and, and what it's costing them. And that's always something that I ask in the um, initial, like, you know, talk with them, but also to understand that when you say your journey changes, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going in a complete different direction. If you're really passionate about wanting something here, there's no straight line to it. You got to go this way and this way and this way to get to it because that's called life. It's, it's called life. I don't know many people that just go straight in one direction. And if I do, they really have kind of a little bit of a boring life, I suppose, but they like it that way. So it's okay. As long as you love your life. <laughs> what I'm saying is, for example, I'm going to use me. I, I have clients, I'm a holistic coach, but I didn't stop production. I'm still producing. I still have the knowledge of a screenwriter and, and how it works and as an actor. And I just got asked to be in a role uh, to play a doctor that I said yes to. And then I also am doing a, a film. So I haven't stopped doing everything that I'm doing. This is just another path that was presented to me that was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to help people. You don't know where this path is going to take me. It might take me to meet Steven Spielberg or something like that. You know, like you, you don't know, you don't know, but you got to do what feels right. And what's in your heart. That's the most important. I like that a lot. And it, it is, it, it, I think some people think you have to give up one thing to do another, but I, I like the idea of and. Obviously, I still, when people ask, what do you do? It's, it's a long explanation because I'm working with a web development team for one of my clients and we had some time waiting for somebody to get onto a Zoom meeting. And she's like, okay, wait a minute. So you did this U2 thing, but you're also doing rocket launches and then you're doing this work with a voice actor. Like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I do a lot of things. I'm a big believer in the and because some people want that boring life that you mentioned. And I don't even mean boring to be a negative. It's just some people like structure. They like routine. They want to know everything that's happening. They, they like the consistency. I don't want that. I like the variety. I like that every day, every week is different. It it's just what works for me. Well, I don't even think that I was even given a choice in the sense of what I like or don't like, because I was just born with big visions. I was born with, you know, ideas and to not honor what I was born with in my mind. I feel like I'm not utilizing life in the correct manner. And if I'm going to confuse somebody 
as to like what I'm doing in life and that puts a pause on them because then they don't know how to hire me, then that's okay. I'm okay. Are you okay? If you're okay, I'm okay. Can we still be friends? You'll eventually figure it out. You'll eventually figure it out. They do. And so in, in addition to your big vision, you're also a big believer in supporting your community. So you help out with some film festivals and nonprofits and you teach free acting classes. Yeah, at the library, I, I did. I have to, as you say, balance things out. So I'm not right now, but I did do free acting and free screenwriting classes to people that needed it. Yes. Why is it so important for you to give back? I think that we're in this world, and this is just my opinion, to not just live and take, but to give. And that's really important for me. And it's not just money. You know, it's sometimes giving your time is a lot more. It means a lot more. And that's what people need a lot of times is your time and your love. And so I did help a children's nonprofit in town. I have uh, helped many film festivals, um, whether it's as a grant writer or as like film liaison or producer. Children and film are always close to my heart and they always will be. And animals. I love horses. So <laughs> if you had one piece of advice for other self-employed creatives, what would it be? One? Just one. You could give more. I feel like it's the end all be all. If I were to give any advice to self-employed creatives, I would sit and think, if I were to wave a magic wand, what would your life really look like? And ask yourself, why aren't you taking those steps? Like what's stopping you from actually doing it? And don't be afraid to get the help you need to make that happen for you because you're worth it. Okay, good advice. Oh, where can people find you out in the social media and other worldly things, worldly places? <laughs> so I have a website, uh, gildagram.com. And I'm also on Instagram under Miss underscore G Graham. And then I'm on Facebook, you know, Gilda Graham, Twitter, Gilda Graham. <laughs> I mean, I'm on <laughs> every Gilda social Graham, media people. platform except for TikTok because I don't know why I'm not on TikTok. But um, yeah, so that's where people can find me. And um, if you have any questions or want to get in touch, you can go to my website. <laughs> I'm not giving my personal number. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I guess I can't publish this, oh. this episode then. Cause that was what the whole goal was. was I knew can it. Can we get Gilda to give out her personal info? I knew it. I knew it. And I have been defeated, but regardless. Oh, and I do have a YouTube channel as well. Okay. And that's where you can find some of Gilda Graham's <laughs> guidance, good alliteration. And some of these tips for breathing and writing and finding that balance in your own life, which is so important. Thank you, Gilda, for joining me today. Thank it's always you. fun to talk to you. Bye. <laughs>